We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir? Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right no, now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. Brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Big episode today, hugely important movie to me personally, that is Kingpin, classic bowling comedy. Two great guests for this one, returning to the show, my buddy J.R. Hickey, the host of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast, which also has an episode dropping today. Go check that one out, one of my favorites for anyone who's a huge fan of Entourage. And then making his appearance on the show, it's taken way too long, guy who I used to do the Dadgum Podcast with, that's one for, for all you people from way back when. My buddy Pete Hart, excited to have Pete on. Two guys that I just absolutely love chopping it up with in general. Talking a little Fairly Brothers, little Murray, little Harrison in this one. And as always, want to shout out our Big Screen Sports Patreon group for supporting the show, especially our big, chill, producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kolusky, Chris Mikoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show. If you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, you can vote on movies for the show to cover. We've got a poll up right now for a September movie. Might add another. The The poll for the September movie is going to be hotly contested. Uh, National Treasure, your early leader. A little more a little more Nicolas Cage for this podcast. Uh, but yeah, you get to vote on movies. You get a lot of say in what this show covers. You get schedule updates. You get ad-free episodes. You get merch. And you get to support the show. So uh, if you're interested in supporting patreon.com slash big screen sports like i said kingpin this is a movie that i watched you know north of 100 times in high school it feels like uh, one of my favorites i think an incredible murray and harrelson performance my buddies jr and pete let's dive right in All right, joining me tonight, very special episode of Big Screen Sports, the most special episode of Big Screen Sports, a true we've got the band back together moment. 
Uh, we've got returning to the show, the host of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast, J.R. Hickey, and making his debut on Big Screen Sports, my buddy, the co-host of the Dadgum podcast, which big news people, still not coming back, my buddy, <laughs> Hart. Guys, how are we doing tonight? You, you can still listen to it, I think. I think it's out It's there. evergreen. That's evergreen yeah. advice for me and Pete. It's some, some great stuff out there. I was going to say bring back dad gum, but you beat me to it, Kyle. It's never coming yeah. back. I mean, Jerry, you know full and well, if I went upstairs and told my wife I've taken up another <laughs> podcast, I would be divorced very quickly. Yeah, you'd be flying out to Palm Springs to, to live in one of my bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, worse, worse things can happen. Jerry, tell the folks, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, where they could follow you, what you've been up to. Oh, yeah. we. I was on a... Four or five weeks ago, doing hustle with you. I brought back the Entourage podcast. We're going week by week through the acclaimed HBO dramedy Entourage. We're midway through season five. Got about 30 episodes to go. So we'll be going strong for about another year here. Pete, I got to get you on for an episode soon. I'm trying to find like the perfect Peter Hart Entourage episode, but I'll find one. And Kyle, you're, you're a regular over there. You know, the people love you. I love you. So thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Of course, Pete. Where can the folks follow you? What what have you been up to in the four or so years since we canned out? Uh, I had another kid. Woo! Uh, you did. So that. Stay, stay true to yourself. True, so true I've just been doing dad stuff. I got water in my lawn this afternoon. Uh, put some more oil in, oil in one of the cars. Just been doing my best. That's about it. <laughs> if we want to shift this into some quick dad talk, uh, my... I, I told you about this, Pete, that I, I, I did a couple plants in the backyard. I got tomatoes going. I got some basil going and I got peppers, the peppers and basil strong. All right. We're, we're, we're liking what we're seeing. Okay. We're, we're getting good results. We've been doing some steady watering the tomato. I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to get there. I've also got my composter in the back. So that's where in, I think about six weeks, we're going to have some fresh compost. So a lot I'm of a big stuff. fan of uh, composting just personally. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. It it feels great too to have. We've got your our compost bucket on the counter. That like so like getting having food waste and it's like we're not just throwing away stuff. We're putting it in the compost bucket and then we're taking it out of the compost to re- like. Man, it feels like it gets rid of a lot of like a lot of like privilege guilt. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think it's. I like it because it's another yeah. place to put garbage. Uh, yeah, exactly. Did you guys come out? to Palm Springs and uh, redo my backyard for me and do some gardening and uh, maybe build a wall. I'll bring, I'll, I'll bring my, I'll bring my nice jorts if we're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Using the composter makes me feel better about when I take my private jet for five minute flights. Um, Well guys, I, I'm thrilled that we're all, that the band's back together, that we're doing this uh, because today we are talking about Kingpin. The 1996 bowling comedy, a star bowler whose career was prematurely cut off, hopes to ride a new prodigy's success and riches. It starred Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid, Vanessa Angel, and Bill Murray. It was directed by the Farrelly Brothers, got a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes as a box office failure, but a home video success. Um, this is coming at a time that the Farrelly's followed this up. Follow, follow Dumb and Dumber up with Kingpin, and then they do There's Something About Mary. Like At that point, probably like the hottest directors in comedy. Pete, I ask you, is this the funniest Fairly Brothers movie? Don't confuse that with best. Funniest is different than best. I'm probably going to say no, um, 
but it's definitely up there. There's some really not very good Fairly Brothers movies, um, but I, I don't know. Me, myself, and Irene, I like. I think that's pretty darn funny. Are, are we just like, is there something wrong with Dumb and Dumber? Dumb and Dumber is like no, one no, of no. the funniest movies of the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah. I still quote it to this day. I think a lot of people still do. So how is this even a question, Kyle? I, I got mad when I saw this on the run sheet. I, so because for me personally, this is a movie that I watched a ton when I was in like middle school and high school. This to me, and it, I will say leans mostly on the Harrelson and, and especially the Murray performances. Like I find this funnier than dumb and dumber. Dumb and dumber has a lot of those classic lines, but I, I go to this, but I was kind of, I was thinking back on it and I'm like, you can't really go wrong with this or dumb and dumber. And like, I think there's something about Mary is their best movie. I think it's, I think it's really good. It's really funny. It's got some parts at the end when the, the, the guy shoots the, the lead singer, of the band just kills me every time. Um, but I, I started looking at this and I kind of, I was kind of unpacking this. So they, their debut film is dumb and dumber, yep. like pretty good start. They go dumb and dumber kingpin. There's something about Mary. You can argue that it only gets worse from there. Yeah. Like, are the Fairley brothers over it? Because, like, Pete mentioned Me, Myself, and Irene, which is 2000, like, very funny. Again, hinges on, like, hey, Jim Carrey's a funny person. Let's just let him dribble around the court and play all 48 minutes. It's it's kind of, I think, uneven is would be a kind thing to say. There's two ways. For... There's two categories of Fairley brothers movies. Uh, movies that involve road trips and bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that also unfortunately loops in Green Book, which wins Best Picture, but like aged badly the day it won Best Picture. Yeah, the Fairly like, Brothers made the, that. Yep, the Fairly Brothers directed Green Book, which is the just Pete, yeah, like, just Peter Fairly. Oh, okay. just Peter. Fairley he, he wrote directed, it, produced yeah. it, and directed it. Shouts to all the Peters yeah. out there. I mean. There's there's a lot of clunkers here. Like movie forty three was an absolute disaster. The sequel, the Dumb and Dumber two, disaster. Hall Pass, not great. Shallow Hal, I know some people like Shallow Hal. That one is also aged horrendously. Um, Fever Pitch, I, Pete, I know you don't like Fever Pitch. It's the worst movie I've ever seen in the theaters. <laughs> no further questions. I'm fond of Fever. It's Pitch. awful. It's not a sports uh, movie. All right, so if you're saying so, if there's 20 Fairly Brothers movies, let's say roughly, maybe there's 18 or so. And we're talking about five or six of them can be considered good. That's a you know one third success rate. They're batting 300. I don't think they're overrated. I think they're probably properly rated. For being honest, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's that's true because I don't think anyone, if if it's like, if you guys heard, hey, new Fairly Brothers comedy coming out, dropping on Netflix or coming out of theaters, like, are you like? You're not shitting bricks for that right now. Like you're not you're not like super pumped about like oh I gotta go see the fair. I'd just be happy that there was any comedy coming out because they don't make comedy anymore. To be honest with you, so I'd probably give it more of a chance. Like that's why people. That's why half a billion people check out the new Adam Sandler comedies on Netflix because there just aren't any original comedies in theater anymore, and because Adam Sandler is a national treasure. He is. He is. Uh, so Jay, I'm going to stay with you. Is this a Hall of Fame All Star starter bench former sportsman? I'm going to say All Star. I think there's a lot there, there. There's a lot of reasons why, and I think it's because 
bowling movies are in a class of all their own and that's because there's only two of them and like this is probably considered the funnier of the two while the bid lebowski is considered the better of the two but that's a, a really like that's that's you know high praise and like a good echelon to reach and the bowling action which we will get into is very good it's very authentic they're throwing real balls they're throwing real strikes they're they're it's clear that like some actual training went into it um I'll do some of the nitpicks about the movie later. But yeah, I'd say solid all-star. Pete, what about you? I think I'm going to go all-star also, uh, depending on... But I, I I could see people that aren't the target demographic for this movie not thinking it, you know, putting it down in a starter level. Like, it's very much a teenage dude movie. Yeah. Um, and similarly to The Big Lebowski, it's extremely quotable. Um, you know, if someone... It, it, if you mention that you got Munsoned, there's a certain type of person that's going to think that that's hilarious and you'll immediately be friends. Uh, so, and generally speaking, there are people that were between the ages of 10 and 19 in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I just know if I ever meet someone named Ernie, that fucker is going to hate me. <laughs> because at some point, it's a big Ern. Uh, this one, it's probably, an, it's an all-star as a, as a movie, as a sports movie. I will say it's a Hall of Famer in my heart. There, there are parts in this movie that I look forward to like immensely. Like I turn it on and I'm just so excited for these, these line deliveries. I also like it's Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson. And this is kind of just like what worked at the top of their comedic game for me. Like this is, I like, I kind of, do you, do you want to have the Bill Murray conversation as far as, as far as when he's the funniest? Because I think there's a legitimate argument for this movie is his funniest movie. It's the it's this type of character. Yeah. He does it just yeah. extremely well. It's yeah. It's the same as Peter Venkman and Ghostbusters. Um he's arrogant for no real reason. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's hilarious. He play and, and he plays impro- that to he's improving he's improving everything. It's very yeah. clear everything. he's improving everything and nobody cares because it's the funniest thing in the world coming out of his mouth. Yeah. So I, I pulled up there was a there was a good uh oral history of the making of Kingpin with the Fairley brothers. And uh who, from, who committed the time to this? <laughs> <laughs> uh it was on fastcompany.com. Ooh, okay. Uh the, and it was Legit like side. it was in the past past decade when the Fairleys had more to do, or I guess less to do. Uh Quote, Bill had nothing to work with. It was just kind of a thankless role as written, and he turned it into a beautiful character. Bill th- just threw all the pages away and just said, I get it. Trust me. And we did, we did, and every line he came up with was better than scripted. He came, like, he came up with everything. He came up with, with Big Earn also going bald, like the dueling baldness. <laughs> Uh, the, the speech after winning the tournament, which is fuck when he, the, I'm above the law, which is like, <laughs> fucking kills me. Uh, the diner scene, the hi, not you. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Hi. Hello. Not you. Hi. Hi. This for me is like his funniest. Like I, I go back and forth. I've had a, a renaissance with the life aquatic recently. Like so I good. think he's. Similar He's character. Hilarious in that. S- yeah. Similar character. Exactly. Like I, the Life Aquatic is is top tier, but this is this is so good. And then I like I find Woody Harrelson is so so versatile. It's insane. Like 
the character he plays in True Detective and the character he plays in this both are top tier, not to mention the person he is in interviews. Like, I think my favorite Woody Harrelson moment ever is when he's doing the promo for the Hunger Games with Liam Hemsworth and the guy's like, mentions to Liam Hemsworth, like, oh, your brother's got a big movie coming out. It's right before Thor. And Woody Harrelson's like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize that was your brother. And he's like being genuine and earnest. Liam Hemsworth, like, I've told you this multiple times <laughs> and we've had this conversation. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's it's great. But like, I, I would not argue if someone said this is Bill Murray's best performance or funniest performance. I'll echo what Pete said. And any performance by Murray where he is better than everyone else like as you know above them or arrogant and he's improving it's just perfect it's the perfect lane for him because that's how he was as an actor at the second city in chicago on saturday night live he was just genuinely funnier than everybody and at this point mid 90s he's been you know throwing 100 on the black for 15 years he's just in his element he's like i'm better than you and it it works because he's still so young i think now when he's like you know I think pushing almost 70, it's a little different where you're like, I don't really feel like you have that anymore, Bill, but he still does quietly. He still is one of the funniest working people in the universe. Mm. Yeah. Getting into the IMDb trivia and, and most of this is actually stuff, uh, stuff from the, the oral history, um, some stuff about how they actually were as bowlers from Peter Fairley. Woody was horrible. He was shockingly bad. Like, he never got better. We made the movie for 10 weeks, and we were in bowling alleys all the time. So in between, when we were setting up shots, we'd be off to the side having little matches. I had a 233 one day. I had a 213, a couple of 207s. I mean, we were getting good. Randy Quaid was really good. He could shoot around 200. And I don't think Woody ever broke 100 the whole time we were bowling. Bill was excellent, though. He actually, Murray actually got those three consecutive strikes he needed first try for the recording, which is sick. Yeah. The, the crowd reaction, the live crowd reaction when they filmed that was genuine because it was unbelievable that he did that. Three straight strikes on cue. And his celebration is just, it's perfect. The like the gyrating hips and the like the wide mouth, blood shaking of the head. Question, I don't mean to take over the pod. What are we all bowling here? Who's who's the best bowler? I think, I, I think Pete's the best bowler out of no. all three of us. No, I, I probably, I don't, I don't go enough to like know what my average is, but I'm going to say it's probably like a buck 25. Okay. Crash. You know, who's good is my wife. Mine too, dude. She's incredible. My wife is very good. Yeah. She kicks my ass now. So there was, awesome. there was a period in college where we would, the local bowling alley had dollar games and $7 pitchers on Thursdays. And so that's where we went every single Thursday. And like, I, I got pretty good. We like, we were sniffing 150 every nice. time. I'm awful now. Like I can't even keep it in between the lanes. Like, I don't know if it's just my old body deteriorating, but like my, my wife kicks my ass every time we bowl. I'm, I'm good for like a 130, 125 on a good day, similar to you, Pete. But my wife, we used to play in a bowling lead up in San Francisco. And this was like six or seven years ago in the Presidio in San Francisco. And we played once a week and she was always the best bowler. And just two weeks ago, we live in Palm Springs. Now someone invited us to play, uh, to bowl, at an Indian casino up the road. So we were like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And we went and she bowled a 175 out of the date. She hadn't picked up a bowling oh, ball. Damn. She hadn't picked up a bowling ball in like four years. She's kind of sneakily good at all those types of games, like darts and just like bar games, billiards, all that stuff. Bowling is also an activity that will leave you sneaky sore the next oh, yeah. day. Like you're feeling in the glutes. 
Uh, Jared, as a guy, notoriously, you, you do a lot of stretching, <laughs> got to keep your body very limber. Like, what are you feeling like the next day after? Dude, birth? my hip, my bad hip. And then just like that <laughs> muscle, like not in between the shoulder blade, but right along the shoulder blade. What do you call that crash? It's just, it, you throw three, if you throw three complete bowling games, that is you swinging a heavy weight 60 times. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the it's the OG yeah. kettlebell workout. 100%. <laughs> Bowlers are athletes. Um, no, they're not. From the IMDb trivia, according to the Fairley brothers, they didn't initially take Lynn Shay, the landlady, seriously after ha- after having already cast her in a small role in Dumb and Dumber at the suggestion of New Line Cinema Studio executive Robert Shay. However, when she came to read for the movie, she was mistaken for a homeless person looking for an ashtray. They politely tried to getting her out until realizing it was her in character for the reading. The Fairleys were blown away and didn't see anyone else for the role. Shea subsequently appeared in more of their films afterwards. Like, most notably, there's something about Mary when she's Mary's violently tan neighbor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she kills that. She's incredible. Uh, she's so she's so good at this movie. It's one of those characters that really makes... Like, you're supposed to be icked out by her. That's the whole point. And she's probably a lovely person that doesn't have yellow teeth and doesn't do all the other disgusting things that she does, but she just owned it. And that kind of goes like that story is just a testament to whoever this character actress is deserves a lot of respect. In my opinion, weakest performance of the movie. Oh, this is where we're going to, we're going to have a difference. Well, we never, we never talked about this to start. I hadn't seen this movie in 15 or 20 years i'm not as familiar with it as probably the two of you are i remember liking it when i was younger 10 12 thinking it was hilarious and then just kind of fell off the radar so re-watching it it's hard to watch it without putting myself in that 12 year old jr hickey mindset so like you know the landlady the chris elliott character i'm like these were funny i guess and maybe i'm just being too hard on it for fairly movies are sophomore like as a rule yeah and old lady gross is something that's going to resonate with them and their target audience. Yeah. That's all that is to it. The fact that she is as gross as she is, (laughs) is that's the, that's the point I was trying to make. I gotcha. I will just say the line, what is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? (laughs) will never not work. (laughs) (laughs) While he's puking his guts out. They definitely like own the entire PG 13 rating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they push oh, it yeah. right up to the, it does a great job. Whereas <laughs> I would think it was rated R if they had a couple more F bombs in there. Cause it's that like kind of gross out funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couple different casting things. Always like touching on these, uh, the biggest kind of casting, what if casting possibility was, uh, they wanted Chris Farley oh, as Ishmael, man. And he couldn't, he was, he was locked into Tommy boy and black sheep, which like, you know, yeah, fine with it. Yeah, but he he would have been he would have been really good. I mean, at least this gives us one reason to think highly and be like sort of sad about Randy Quaid's downfall. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing we haven't talked about yet is like Randy Quaid has just gone off the fucking reservation. Yeah, I thought I thought about buying a cameo of him for this, like, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I think he charges like five hundred dollars for a cameo, and I was like, listen, I love you guys, but not that much. The uh, Ran- Randy, that money is going directly to QAnon. I don't, I don't know how you fund QAnon, but Randy is funding QAnon. Randy, unless that's five hundred pesos, you're not making that money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is an interesting one. 
Uh, just because of the story, the Fairleys asked Michael Richards, a.k.a. Kramer from Seinfeld, to come in and discuss the role in the movie. I, I will say, normally I don't fact check these IMDb ones. I went back and was like trying to see if this was real. But the conversation didn't go particularly well, and there was a disagreement. At one point, Richards asked to use the private bathroom in their office. They allowed it, but after Richards didn't return from the bathroom within a half hour, they had to break down the door to see if he was okay. That's when they discovered he climbed out the window and left. That's a Kramer move. That's something Kramer would yeah, do. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a Kramer move. I mean, Jerry, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> These people want to make fun of a religious sect. I got to get out of here. <laughs> Uh, um, considering George, considering the Fairley brothers need to have pranks pulled on them, like that's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. George Clooney considered for the role of Stanley would have been really good because he's kind of like that guy. If that guy had gotten famous, Rob Moran, yeah, really didn't really didn't uh, do much after this. So he's kind of like kind of like C C team George Clooney. Anyway, I was about to say he looks like the Bizarro version of Clooney. Last one I've got. Uh, it has been confirmed that Skidmark, played by Roger Clemens, is related to Seabass from Dumb and Dumber, okay. linking the two movies. The Farrelly Brothers uh, extended universe. Yeah. <laughs> like focused in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I, I actually had to go and check uh, at one point in time. I was like, that's not actually. And I went and looked at the IMDb for Seabass to like verify that it wasn't just Roger Clemens you know, off cycle, basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because they do, I mean, it's the trucker hat, it's the look and the attitude. So I like that. I, I mean, I think we were, all, we were led in that direction, but it's good to hear that it was confirmed. Speaking of Clemens off cycle, you guys caught any of the episodes of the captain yet? No. The uh, Derek Jeter documentary <laughs> currently, uh, currently streaming. Tell you what Clemens they Clemens agreed, you know, has sat for interviews. He's one of the uh he's one of the people talking in this documentary. And in it, he's wearing a a button-down shirt that is about three sizes too big, <laughs> but it is very apparent that it is probably like a five X because he is he is fucking enormous. <laughs> like he is if he is not three hundred pounds, I will be shocked. Like he is literally like he stole Randy Johnson's name. He is now the big unit. Like he is huge. <laughs> he, his version of the rocket now is one of those Elon rockets that can't get off the ground. Like he's just, it's, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> Rogers in a bad way. Uh, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll get back with what worked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. Uh, gonna kind of, gonna kind of roll over <laughs> most authentic, least authentic, except for one authentic part of this movie. Pete, I, I'm gonna, you're gonna take it from yeah, here. Yeah, there's a very authentic piece to this movie, in addition to the bowling chops that uh, Bill Murray and uh, some of the other characters have. I uh, like got into a scuffle at a bowling alley when I was in high school because, uh, like, if you ever, like, if you ever, like, Kyle, you would definitely know. Well, I guess. John, since you were in a league, you would know, but like the bowling alley locals are like lopsided. Like their yeah. bowling arms are enormous. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> they're like serial masters. Yeah. They look like yeah. Quagmire discovering the internet. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's what they look like. And I was like, I, somebody overheard me saying, like, I was at a bowling alley with like some friends and I was like a junior in high school. I was like, look how funny these guys look. They're all of like tiny ass <laughs> left arms. <laughs> And somebody took a offense to it and like went and grabbed me with like a bunch of his other bowling buddies. And like, you think it's funny? I was like, what are you talking? Like, well, yes, I do. Like, <laughs> look what hand you're trying to you hit me into, with. You ran it's into not your left. Mark and his boys. Yeah, pretty, I mean, it. Except they were like, you def, if you can defend against the right, you're gonna win the fight. Like these guys had no chance. Uh, it, it was just the looks so weird. Is it safe anyway. to assume that you were still six three in high school? Yeah, no, I stopped growing when I was like 15. So yeah, yeah, I, I'd filled out. So nothing happened. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I, well, I was like with a bunch of other like friends from high school. There was like more of us, and there's like three of them. And it just yeah. kind of like, it was one of those like they wanted to prove a point and then they didn't really have a plan after it. So, yeah. Where, in terms of like hobby sports that regular people can do, where do we rank bowling as, as like, generally the scummiest or strangest people like it's it's got to be at the top in terms of because like we're looking at bowlers golfers tennis there's like the new pickleball fad like those weirdos uh people who just play bar games like i'm gonna i was go gonna say this is this play, is the only sport darts. you can play professionally and also get lung cancer while playing it <laughs> so i was gonna say i mean it bowling's a great activity it's a ton of fun you go yeah. huck a rock and knock stuff down like there's literally nothing fun nothing unfun about that if you like suck really bad to even have little bumpers that's fun they're here to help you have a good time and you know that sort of thing but everybody that wants to spend a lot of time in a bowling alley is like really really mad at laws that say that you can't smoke indoors. And I feel like that's one of those things that is just kind of a, just tells you a lot about a person. Yeah. I was going to say, this is, I, I've made no, I, I have made it a secret on the show that like, I, I really love a good cigarette movie mm -hmm. and I love a good cigarette. <laughs> and, uh, and this is a great smoking movie. Bowling's a great smoking sport. Like it, it is, I, I would be all for if they were like, if they, you know, hey, we've outlawed smoking indoors, except at bowling alleys. I think, I think I would be fine. And it's got to be like, so we have like your classic commercial expensive bowling alley with the arcade and, and all the stuff. Like we've got that close. We also have like a, there's like an old ass six lane bowling alley where like there's at all times men from the ages of 65 to 80 bowling. And like there's pictures of old men everywhere who have bowled three hundreds, like holding up their, you know, holding up their little sign, like bowling alleys like that deserve some leniency as far as the smoking indoors. I was going to say every really great bowling alley has like a yellowish tint to it. 
Yep. Just tar into the wallpaper. I love, I love yeah. a good bowling alley carpet. Like it's just never, ever been oh. cleaned, never, ever been updated. It's not like a stars and like galaxies and like, you know, bowling pins on acid and then just ash, like, a, like an inch yeah. and a half layer of ash. Little, little tiny, little tiny pock marks of the embers that have fallen over <laughs> yeah. the years. Yep. Yep. Bowlers are also special because I, I want to shout out the greatest piece of journalism ever. I, I think it was old Deadspin to track this guy down you guys guys ever read the the story of the guy who who bowled the perfect game on on 9-11 no. <laughs> no, i don't mean to laugh so hard it's it's, it's, it's a real treat it was something that like i think it went around what was the point of it that went around facebook or, or something like that but like someone was at a bowling alley you know in bowling alleys they have the pictures of like the locals who you know bowled the perfect game sure. and someone posted a picture of this guy who's like holding up you know bowled a perfect game and it on 9 11 <laughs> and so he tracked him down and like so hey man like you you decided like 9 11 happened you're like okay i'm gonna go bowling and you bowl a perfect like it's a great piece of journalism i think i'm gonna link it in the show notes it's a real treasure because I, I mean that happened at, here that happened at nine in the morning like he had to have seen it on the news or at least it was on the tvs <laughs> while he was bowling yeah because that was the yeah, other option no. he showed up at like five like an all night <laughs> I, I just searched place. it on Google and it, it auto corrected in the in the search bar. Like I said, guy who bowled a perfect game and it said on nine eleven. Like it. A funny. <laughs> you know, was uh, he one of those? Was he one of those scumbag locals? It's like, well, the world's going to end. I got to get one last roll in. I'm like, <laughs> no, he's just like <laughs> amid the chaos and fear and uncertainty, of the world changing in ways neither he nor the rest of us yet understood. Bill Morrow went and bowled a perfect damn game on nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's a great sentence. I just saw honestly it's like the sequel to Kingpin. <laughs> I just saw a TikTok because I don't know you guys know I'm huge on TikTok. The uh the blueprint album by Jay-Z by Jay-Z dropped on 9-11. So like some guys were like, imagine trying to enjoy this album on 9-11 and being like coming in from the other room, be like, he did it again. Shit is out of the den. And everyone's crowded around the TV, like, dude, shut up. And it's you guys gotta hear this H to the Izzo song though. It's it's funny. The Fairleys kind of credit this movie not doing well in theaters because it opened the same week as the 1996 Atlanta Olympics and the same week as a terrorist attack. Yeah. Is that bombing? Um, shout out uh, Richard Jewell. And uh, yeah, so a lot of lot of a lot of good stuff for bowling. A lot of, a lot of, <laughs> lot of con- bowling is a great content sport. That is if not like the most engaging sport. Great content sport. I mean, we haven't even. I'm sure we will, but we haven't yet talked about the the legend Pete Weber. But well, all right. So first of all, imagine the gall and like the high on your own supply that you have to be like to to come out and be like. We made a movie that makes fun of like Amish people and it has a joke about like sucking a cow's dick and like it's Carl Lewis's fault that it wasn't successful. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? No, like it's just that movie is just not for everybody, guys. Like, (laughs) oh man. Well, what? So, JR, I'll kick it to you. What worked about this one? Um, Well, uh, we've kind of talked about it at length at this point, but like all the bowling action is good. Like, I like that they're throwing pretty much only strikes but if they do leave themselves splits they're really hard splits to pick up it's like the equivalent if you were playing like horse with an nba player golf against a pga like the only shots they would miss would be the hardest shots possible so i i like that and then just the like i know we're not doing realistic but like just the people everyone you see in this movie is ugly overweight 
cigarette hanging out of their mouth, bad clothes. And that's the people that Pete gets in fight with in high school. I mean, that's, yeah, that's they got it. it's like, yeah, no, they, they, they tried to fight me, not the other way around. <laughs> Try bowling is like sneaky might be the best sport to put on screen. Like when you think about it, it's the most repeatable, mm-hmm. like most easy to make it look like the person is very good. It's really satisfying to just see pins knocked down in a montage. Like that's a whole lot of fun. Like bowling is so, so easy to put on screen that they had weird farmers and old women that they're bowling against and stuff like that. And it, it all works. And like the sounds are really good. I bowling's a good, like ASMR sport. Mm-hmm. It's like that. And like the sounds of hockey, like sneaky, sneaky, great versus like you're putting, you know, you're putting baseball on screen and you've seen some absolute like travesties when it comes to putting baseball on screen. So, so that works. Pete, what'd you think about the soundtrack in this one? The Fairley brothers to their credit. And a lot of this is, you know, the zeitgeist of the times, uh, but it's fantastic. I mean, they've always had a good, they've always had a good ear for, uh, you know, pop, very current pop music. Um, none of it ages well, <laughs> generally speaking. But as from, from all of their soundtracks and all the music that they featured, this one might actually be the best one. Um, Goldfinger, Superman by Goldfinger. I want to say that was like a that, that like the most popular song in Tony Hawk. Uh, yeah, like I was several say, years it goes later, this and then it goes Tony Hawk. Like, what a run for Superman by Goldfinger. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, of course, I I feel like the Blues Traveler probably was not very popular in the Corn and Limp Biscuit days, but then outside of that, I mean, they're timeless. I still listen to Blues Traveler. Oh yeah, the hook brings you back. <laughs> it's got like the i want candy during the second montage yeah it's a good good little nice little touch there what a montage um, save it for later during the amish working scene big big fan of that one uh yeah you're you're right on that i mean that's mm-hmm. that's something that worked we get multiple montages like the, the good good job with montage the the one you're specifically referring to is when vanessa angel is just like just rocking it in a really nice way um, I mean, Vanessa Angel worked about this movie. Man. Like, she did. Entourage legend, Vanessa Angel. I've heard. I've heard of this. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> rumor has it she's in a season three episode where the dies go to Comic-Con and she's in love with Johnny Drama. But I don't know. I don't watch Entourage that closely. We've stuck Vanessa Angel with some bums between uh, Johnny <laughs> Drama and, and Woody Harrelson in this movie. Like she, Vanessa Angel deserved a little bit better. One-handed balding Woody Harrelson. Can we? Talk? Up, sorry, go ahead. I looked up for IMDb, and I recognized absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, she was on Weird was, Science for five years. That's where she made all of her money. Okay. Uh, I I saw a tweet today that was really great and very prescient. It was. Uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it up or anything. It it said, if you're wondering what an actor that you haven't seen in a long time has been up to, they've been on a CBS show for 12 years. <laughs> and and then I went and looked at her IMDb and I'm like, you're holy shit. She's in one of the CSIs, I guess, or something like that. I don't it's so un it's so forgettable that I don't know what she's been doing. Apparently she's been an entourage, which I mean I guess I I think I've seen that episode. I'm not being facetious like John is, but uh, I have to, I think, I guess. 
the more accurate place to look up what Vanessa Angel's been doing isn't IMDb, but Instagram.com because she is still throwing up heaters on Instagram. I think she's 60 years old. It is uh, quite the sight to behold. Good for her. That is that is great news. That's 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 a real treat for everyone out there. Uh, gift gift that keeps on giving. She's pretty much doing the opposite of Rainy Quaid, who is, I mean, also throwing up heaters, just of a different kind. <laughs> so um, here's another thing that can, worked can, for can, me, real fast. <laughs> I love a good comedic fight scene. I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the, are you talking about Harrelson and Vanessa Angel going at it? Yeah, just whipping each other's asses in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, it, I, it, it's there's because it, it devolves into just ridiculousness and not just like doing suplexes onto a car hood or anything <laughs> like that but repeated like punching of vanessa angel's boob like <laughs> prop boob uh they they really just kind of they're like we need to we need to fill 30 to 45 <laughs> seconds here let's just do some dumb shit and i like fake dumb fight scenes always cracked me up and that was a good yeah. one it's a really with that that song playing and then yeah. right leading into that is when when it's the the big gigantic cloud of shit i think i smell it <laughs> which, always, <laughs> which always that that's the thing like this one has so many like one-off jokes that yep. just always always make me laugh like you t- you kind of talked about John when we were texting about it. Like the first thirty minutes is slow, which like it is until Vanessa Angel really shows up and they mm-hmm. get on the road. But like there are so many random things, and this is where the Fairley brothers are really good at just throwing in random things. Like the first scene in the movie when Young Roy is running to see his dad and he hops the fence and just busts his ass completely. <laughs> like that gets me. Uh, and then when Harrelson steals the baby's milk for his coffee, it's just like unquestioned incredible scumbag move. Like so, so good. Uh, can we talk about Quaid? like Quaid yeah. in this movie and Quaid in general before it goes off the reservation, because he's, he's really good. Like it's under this Christmas vacation, like independence day and kind of a different kind of thing. But like Randy Quaid was really good. Like if they hadn't invented the internet, we might still be looking back on Randy Quaid really fondly. He has over 117 acting credits to his name. That's more than a lot of people. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a time he's been doing it forever too. He was a Saturday Night Live. He was a Saturday Night Live cast member for years. He he played like he famously played like Reagan and McMahon and like the forgotten years, the eighties when it was kind of the Eddie Murphy show. But you know, he he was a he was a he was a bona fide comedic like B list actor at the time from like you know early eighties to mid nineties. I had no idea. About he's that. the one who got Bill Murray to do this movie. Oh, like, I didn't know that. They had done something else together. Yeah, and he was just like they they were throwing around who they were going to get for big earn. And Quaid was like, I'll call, I'll call bill. And that's the thing with bill Murray and all his movies. It's like, it's never this big negotiation. It's like, if someone calls, like if Wes Anderson calls bill Murray, he's like, Hey, I've got this thing. He's like, sure. I can, you know, I can yep. be in Atlanta in two weeks. Like, why not? Are, are Randy Quaid and Dennis Quaid, are they like full brothers? Like yes. by a lot, same mom, same dad. Yeah. And they've got a third brother whose name is buddy. Wow. <laughs> They've got a Buddy Quaid. Yeah. Uh Buddy Quaid's wife was my realtor until I fired her. <laughs> <laughs> you you told me about the story of you firing your realtor, but I, I don't think you mentioned that it was it was I guess sister in law of Dennis and Randy. Yeah. Well it, it wasn't really germane to the conversation. <laughs> 
They're first cousins <laughs> of Gene Autry. This, this is like this is a Texas family right here. Yeah, they're from they're oh, from yeah. Houston. I think they went to Bel Air High School. Randy Quaid was in Days of Thunder. How about, how about sports movie like good sports movies? He's in, yeah, he's the guy in Days of Thunder. Listen again, if they hadn't invented the internet, like Randy Quaid's career could have gone entirely differently. Yeah, he's one of the like, fans had- in Major League Two. <laughs> I saw that. He's he's literally one of the only good parts of Patriot League too. Like he's actually he's actually yeah. funny. Um, I mean, I will say too, he looks the part of a good bowler. Like you get past the haircut, he's like tall, lean. Like looks like he could strike the hell out of a bowling ball. Like he's a, he's a very good choice for being the weird Amish bowler with a left arm of lightning. First of all, have you guys ever looked at uh, like what PBA bowlers look like? <laughs> Yes. They're, they're all yeah. usually kind of short. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of them that like really lean into the silliness of like you can you can wear like flashy attire and have like dumb haircuts and things like that in bowling because there's not really a set uniform. Like you got to show your sponsors. Yeah. And that's about it. I would encourage everybody listening at home to look up a guy named Kyle Troop. Troop is spelled T-R-O-U-P. Just do a Google image search. You're welcome. Um, but back to Randy Quaid. Uh, you know, he got kind of, he was kind of lanky and lean for this, wasn't he? Because uh, I, I, like, I think I remember it was like, in my head, he's like a massive fat drunk. And he's, you know, it's like an in-shape guy in this movie. Let's not even post hey, you I up. I just want to thank you for bringing this Kyle Chu guy to my attention. Because <laughs> holy fuck! Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> what a character! Oh my god, <laughs> love that, love that for him. Um, something that works about this movie is it, this was kind of like the playbook for any sports movie wanting to add a layer of authenticity. If you can loop in ESPN and then double bonus points, if you can also loop in Chris Brennan, <laughs> it's like oh, this is this is really happening. It's like. It's like pressing a button, like boom, authentic sports movie. We got ESPN to do it. It's like when they got Vern Lundquist for uh, for Happy Gilmore. Yeah, or Brent Musburger and Dan Fouts for The Waterboy. That's exactly what. That's same all deal. time. Yeah. All time. That must be those guys' favorite calls to get, right? Like all day, they're just doing highlights, and obviously they're at, back in the '80s and '90s. They're superstars at this point, but like now they have to be on a movie set, like acting alongside some of their favorite comedic actors. That would be so fucking cool. No, it'd be such a great time. I think about uh, Berman in the longest yard. Yep, which we did. Really, mm-hmm. just yes, yes, we did do that together. Yeah, no, that that one's that one's good. But yeah, the uh, Vern, I guess, did all of his stuff in Happy Gilmore in one day, and they're just like because you all of his calls in that movie are just from the exact same camera angle, exact same <laughs> like box, and it's just like him at all these like supposedly at all these different tournaments. It's just like who gives a shit. <laughs> No one's going to notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the running gags of this movie are all re- the uh, the ring, not the hand. Roy holding out the, the ring until it, it only gets noticed when uh, it's the opposite, when, when Stanley and his boy come to beat him up. Um, getting Munsoned, as you mentioned, Pete, like that being a running thing. That's a funny uh, it, one. It, that's like, that's like, like yeah. can we, can we talk about that for a second? Like, that's a funny running joke that it's like, it, it's something that becomes bigger, like yeah. than it's endurance, yeah, for sure. It's my it's it, it's similar to my my favorite joke in Euro Trip. Oh God, which, I was just gonna say it. That's awesome. Yeah, the 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 fact that like Scotty doesn't know balloons and becomes like part of the cultural lexicon, and uh, 
like there's like Eastern European uh, house remixes of it. Like the Munson in the middle of nowhere, the fact that everybody that they encounter uses that uses Munson as a verb, um, yeah, I think is hilarious. I'd sooner get Munson out here in the middle of nowhere than lose face in front of my friends whoa, and family whoa, again. Whoa. What'd you just say? I said I don't want to lose face in front of my friends and family. No, before that. I, I said I'd sooner get Munson out here in the middle of nowhere. Munson? What the hell is that? You know, Munson. Uh, to be up a creek without a paddle, to, to have the whole world in the palm of your hand and, and then blow it. You know, it's a figure of speech. Munson? It's so good. Like it, that. Also, for anyone who's a fan of Eurotrip, please go back in the archives. Had the uh, the creators, the writers of that movie, David Mandel. Right. Can't remember the other, but uh, I listen. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to that. One. Rude. <laughs> Seriously, I can't. That guy's never. That's not being a good host at all. Is 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 the guy who uh, guy who created Dave with uh, with little Dicky? Um, it, it was a long time oh. ago. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's so many, there's the, the running gags in this one, like the Munson, the, the ring, not the hand, the slow, the slow, uh, balding of, of Big Ern McCracken. And then, like I said, like the one-offs, uh, fucking, uh, Harrelson milking the bull, the, we don't have a cow, we have a bull. (laughs) It's just like, that's, you if you were a boy, like a teenage boy, like age 13 to 19, that's going to kill you every single time. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to narrow that down. I'm going to go with like 12 and a half to like 13 and three quarters. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just gross I mean, for the second and gross. me and me at 31 <laughs> who still, who still loves it, even though I know, I know it's coming and I'm just like waiting for him to, to run up with the, the fucking, the, the, the bulges mustache. Uh, still, <laughs> Still love it. Yeah. Still love it. I guess the that could be the running gag of a uh, uh, Woody Harrelson being awful with animals because the the, the taking off the horse's shoes later on, when just, B- uh, Buttercup. Yeah, uh, you get bestiality and animal cruelty in the same same uh, same movie. It's great. Yeah, but no, it's Carl Lewis's fault. This movie didn't kill. Yeah, the box office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it. Got it, guys. Well, in, in that regard, the the strikeout for the worst or most head scratching part of this movie. What what is it for you, Jr.? I think I don't know if I bet Pete disagrees with me, but I think the jokes in the you know working with Ishmael's family on the Amish farm, two or three of them land, but it is kind of an unnecessary fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. It makes this movie longer than it needs to be. This movie is almost two hours long. I like the stuff at the beginning how uh, Munson loses his hand and I light them on the road with Vanessa Angel, you know, doing the road trip thing. But that 20 minute period where like it ultimately resolves in Ishmael being like, I'm going with Mr. Munson now is like, okay, that felt a little unnecessary, but it was a sign of the times. It was like, Hey, let's dip, let's dip Woody Harrelson's character on a farm and like have a bunch of practical jokes. Definitely a Fairly Brothers thing. Yeah, like let's do this random set piece, especially on these road trip movies where it's multiple different locations. Like, let's let's have them stop off and i'm not i'm not equating this to the 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 burger scene in dumb and dumber like the little diner but like that because that's way funnier but like let's have them stop at this diner and do these you know do these gags like the not a lot of like there there's always the little set pieces in in the fairly brothers movies whenever Um, i'm eating a burger or my wife is eating a burger i say hey how's your burger (laughs) 
And I know, and if she keeps talking, why don't you eat up? I'll tell you about it. Like, it's just, it's such a little stupid line, but like just saying, hey, how's your burger? Like when someone's eating a burger, it's perfect. Pete, what is the strikeout for you in this one? The worst or most head scratching moment? I mean, let's be clear. This is a very sophomore movie that doesn't really have a, you could, you could kind of pick out anything and justify it. Um, the 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 landlord lady i forget uh blanking on her name like kind of unnecessary i think she's well. just the landlady the landlady yeah i mean kind of goes into that uh the whole theory like the first 30 minutes drag like there's just a bunch of setting things up and like time filler whether it's the uh amish farm or um uh showing how crappy roy's life is you know, there's there that that slow part at, that that they're both kind of in the same thirty minute time span. Uh, real fast, and because I was curious about this, uh, Amish Paradise by Weird Al came out like three months before this movie. So I'm wondering, like, what the hell the Amish did to America in 1996 <laughs> that just we decided it is totally cool to make fun of them. <laughs> it's time to fucking turn our guns on these people. We've been ignoring them for too long. Yeah what's wrong with us but anyway um yeah there's a lot of things that don't really make, it, chris elliott's entire like the, nobody is yeah. more worthless in the movie than chris elliott yeah yeah that is mine mainly like this is very nitpicky guy laying down an eight hundred thousand dollar craps bet is not doing it at a regular craps table <laughs> in reno yeah, yeah right like that's that that he lays down a fifty thousand dollar yo bet like that's <laughs> that's insanity yeah like that's not happening also just for the the sake of fair play in bowling i feel like if your prosthetic hand came out in your ball and rolled down the lane i i feel like that's disqualification like you you've picked up more more space more area like the the this hand might have hit some of those pins feel like he's eliminated from the tournament there but so that's if we were still doing least authentic like sports thing is like how can he bowl with a fake fucking hand if he can't like actually let's, put any spin on it or like aim his fingers that's kind of i mean you saw it coming though yeah i feel like they oh they, the fairly brothers were like doing drugs one night and we're like you know what would be really funny is if a guy lost his hand, he had a fake hand, and he had to go bowling. And then they made a movie out of it. Yep. And they're like, who do we hate right now? The Amish. Cool. They're in. <laughs> so we, in, in 17 years, we don't think Roy tried to bowl once. He wasn't just like, all right, let's go. Let's see yeah. if this can work. Because he goes from, I can't do this, to coming within one pin of winning a million-dollar tournament. Yeah, like there's he, no he rust. Just go. Yeah, <laughs> no. none, none. He's gold. On the subject of the hand, as far as what didn't work, what do you? This isn't something that like didn't work. I think the concept of how he loses his hand is very funny. Funny scene. Funny Murray. What, what do we think the next day was like? Like, did Roy's attackers get arrested? I, I, I was just trying to think of this. Like, very excessive response for like six hundred dollars. Like, we're gonna maim you, commit a felony, ruin your life. Um. So they, you know, they run his hand through the the ball retrieval machine, presumably drop him off at a hospital or he has to like, he finds his way to go get the clean amputation, whatever. 
at some point he talks to the police. <laughs> like if something comes up. Like it's not like the, the hospital people are like how how did this happen? Like I'm just I'm I'm very curious as to what the mechanics of okay, Roy's hand has been sawed off by the ball retrieval machine. Are you pressing charges? Are you, you know, a lawsuit here? Do you just do you literally just decide, oh, I cheated him. I guess I guess I, guess I got what was coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> I got what was coming to me, the, the loss of my right hand. Like I, I just I was kind of thinking about that. What is the next day like for Roy? His his DNA is all over that ball retrieval machine. Like it's very easy to like bring the cops there and go, look at what they did to me. And then the guy's pretending to be a priest again, and he's like, oh, no, it wasn't us. And it's like, you're covered in blood, father. <laughs> okay, two vices. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, I, this is like rural America in the 1970s. I think that there's just some frontier justice that happened. <laughs> like, the priest is actually the sheriff. <laughs> Might have been like a first blood situation. Like, you go to the sheriff, and it's just like, no, we're, yeah, we're not on right? this guy's side. It's a, a, clearly a very common thing that happened in the late 70s. Yeah. You guys want to get into best scene? Yeah. This is a this is kind of a tough one because like it, it which is pretty common with comedies as far as like what's the actual best scene cuz you're more focused on what the funniest jokes are and 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 things like that. Um the I, I kind of like I mentioned the opening hustle where Roy does lose his you know lose his hand. Murray as Murray putting on the hustle, like, you know, you're on a, you're on a gravy train with biscuit wheels and, and, and that whole thing is like a real treat. Hey, what do you say when we play a couple of games, maybe 20 bucks a game? Oh, no, you're not going to bowl drunk again. But I insist. What do you want to risk? You have everything going for you. You're on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. You've just shattered my record. What do you want to go and lose it for? This is a grand Torino looking at you here. Don't do it, okay? Let's just have six, seven drinks and go. Hey, uh, buddy boy. You looking for a little friendly action? I just might know somebody to accommodate you. Speak of the devil and he appears. I'm going to play the jukebox. Essentially... Every scene with Bill Murray in it is is a really good one. But this this first thing starting out, and and then we get the MacGuffin too. Of you'll pick up that spare when my hair starts day my hair starts falling out <laughs> is an, is a nice little touch upon rewatch. I love the commercial. I love Ernie McCracken's like yeah. giving back to all these like hot moms and their sons, and how he has like five of like the milfiest, bustiest jets and bending them over to throw. It's so funny it just gets funnier and funnier as like more and more hot women are revealed it's great <laughs> Ernie McCracken. when i found out little billy here was growing up without a daddy i had to do something when bigger and saw our picture in the paper he called the unified fund and got involved i had to i couldn't help myself but little billy's not the only one there's also a little jason here once again this year i'll be sponsoring a fatherless family in every city i Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, Mr. McCracken's already there. <laughs> Jonathan, we're going to fly pattern all the way to the goal line. Tennessee! Kentucky! Bondo Beach! Good deeper, Jonathan. It's a tough world. These kids nearly got munsoned, but they're back now. Through the Unified Fund, I found out that 
If you give a little, you can get back a whole lot more. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, Mr. McCracken's already there. (laughs) 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 So good. Uh, (laughs) Pete... Pete, when I asked you if you wanted to cover this movie, you you quoted the Clemens scene. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, no, that, that and that extends as well. Like the the line itself is extremely funny. Um, of when Woody Harrelson turns on Ish, uh, Randy Quaid, um, but like the extension of it also cracks me up, where. It, it, it's almost it's it, it's a very Simpsons type joke where there's like these knock on like added layers to the story get uh, get at, well layers to the story get added through dialogue, but had to knock him out for you know whatever reason it was. And, then, and Vanessa Angel Claudia says, "Well, you didn't have to have beers with him afterwards." <laughs> <laughs> there's this entire other thing that happened that we didn't get to see that seems very funny and cruel uh to to randy quaid's character but yeah that there's to me i i find uh things that just come out of nowhere with like really bizarre turns of phrase extremely funny so my second favorite part of this movie is just woody harrelson in the middle of his downfall turning to a guy sitting at the bar next to him and just shouting who are you calling a psycho like out of nowhere (laughs) and I encourage everybody to do that uh, <laughs> out in public whenever. Um, but the, you freaky piece of shit, you never mow another man's lawn <laughs> while punching him <laughs> when he thinks you're, you're his friend. That's that's hysterical to me. Uh, yeah. The whole Roger Clemens scene. He's teaching me to dance. I, I didn't know how to dance. Do you want to dance? What are you trying to say? You want me to dance? Well, no, no, not if you don't want to. I mean, I just... Not I can't believe you're in there trying to move in on my score. I ought to stoot slap your ass right now. We're going to drill you another asshole, shithead. You want to kiss somebody? Goldilocks, kiss these. Take that, you freaky piece of shit. You don't mow another guy's lawn. All right, all right. Is is really good. The only the only other one, like I think that the actual the championship match is really good in terms of being like a sports movie scene and like Bill Murray still eating it up and and that whole thing. The the fake pickpocketing or purse snatching with the the late great Willie Garson mm-hmm. when <laughs> when she shows back up to bring him the bottle of gin and starts freaking out and he takes the hot coffee and and throws it on on his face again. He's you crazy bastard! Get on out of here! Like still, still trying. He's to still here. Off like that. <laughs> that uh, that he comes in being nice with a plastic handle of vodka, just like the the pits of despair for everybody. I think I'm. I think I'm with you, Jr. That it's the bigger and commercial is the funny is like the best scene in this movie. Like it just, especially because it's Roy watching it. Yeah, he's at his low. I think Claudia's just run off with the money. He's at his low point, and here's his here and and he's. That's another funny part about the movie is that Roy is the only person who sees Big Earn for being a piece of shit, like the announcers, <laughs> and a genuinely nice guy, like Ernie McCracken. <laughs> Like that's that's one of the best parts about it. Um, Ernie McCracken's reintroduction, like when they show up in Reno, is yeah. really great. Um, oh, so 
Just, you still got your good stuff. You still got your great stuff. We had some good times in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's when he's talking to the reporter about the uh, the paternity suit, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's like then I pulled out of her way before. <laughs> just, just, I mean everything. Like if we get into best quote, it's all Murray. Everything that everything yeah. that yeah. everything that Bill Murray says is is perfect like there's some there's some other good stuff from harrelson and some of the i texted you guys this the uh hey roy can you get sick drinking piss <laughs> it's a, yeah, i think you can even if it's your own like that one is it's something that i i always look for but, um the guy had a like, very specific question that he didn't want to ask <laughs> <laughs> Jared, what's what's the best murray line if we just want to do best quote but it, it's the murray line like what's the best one you said the one about Chicago and he never forget a pair of tits like this, which is very, very funny. Um, I think his whole, like the first introduction to him, him voicing over uh, Roy, this is in the flashback scene at the beginning where he's like, it all comes down to this role. Roy Munson, a man child with a dream to topple bowling giant, Ernie McCracken. If he strikes, he's a 1979 odor eaters champion. He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bad, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. <laughs> and it's very clear that that's an improvised line. That's not a perfectly written line. He's just kind of rolling off the tongue, and it's fucking A-plus Murray. The, uh, right after that, when they're at the diner, and he tells the waitress, like, Tangeray and Tab, he's like, keep them coming, sweetheart. I've got a long drive. <laughs> Which is Tangeray like, and Tab also, is like a gin and coke. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's like also very Gin 70s. and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's even worse. I, I mentioned it earlier, but the, the improv of after he wins the million dollars, and he goes into, and it's like these people are fawning over him. And he says, I don't know. All I all I know is I finally got enough money. I can buy my way out of anything. Finally, Big Earn is above the law. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. I mean, for a couple of reasons. Like, one, that's his dream. <laughs> <laughs> and two, that he thinks that that's enough money to do that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of great stuff there so good it, Peter are there any quotes that we've missed yeah so I mentioned it earlier and I wanted to talk about this because there's a through line uh, but you you freaky piece of shit you know you don't mow another man's lawn um, while he punches Roger Clemens's girlfriend uh, to impress Roger Clemens I guess uh <laughs> I found this on a, a, a true detective subreddit a couple years ago, but they made some through lines that I feel like the, the general public ought to know here. So when saying don't dance with another man's wife or something like that, Roy Munson's analogy is don't mow another man's lawn in true detective season one, uh, Matthew McConaughey starts showing up around Woody Harrelson's uh, house he mows Woody Harrelson's lawn at one point in time. Woody Harrelson gets in Matthew McConaughey's face and he says, you don't mow another man's lawn. Of course, that is a metaphor that gets fulfilled. Matthew McConaughey ends up sleeping with whoever plays Woody Harrelson's wife in that. Michelle uh, Monaghan. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but then here's 
the most important and the weirdest part. sex scene ever too. It, like, not hot <laughs> very <Yeah>. uncomfortable <laughs> uh, right but kind of worked and for that mo- that show um but here's the thing that really trips me out does anybody remember who the bad guy in true detective season one was yeah the guy the heavyweight guy who is the lawnmower yeah he's the landscaper mowing the yeah. mowing the lawns of uh the abandoned middle school or whatever the, the the yellow king of Carcosa that's right is the guy that's mowing everyone's lawns so anyway funny through line maybe they thought of it maybe they didn't uh in my mind they did maybe in my mind it's Woody Harrelson like we need to talk about people mowing lawns I hate them uh, <laughs> anyway maybe anytime we get to bring up true detective on the show I'm very happy yeah it's still like one of my favorite seasons of TV ever it's great it's one of one of those ones where you I mean John, I know, you know, you, you go back and rewatch seasons of Entourage, like, you know, as one does. But Like uh, it's literally my job. <laughs> like it's literally your job. But True Detective season one is one of the few shows where I will be like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go back and rewatch this. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of other shows like that. Although I think the bear the bear might be there for me. We're just getting way off topic here. But, uh, OK, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award. This is not a movie full. This is not a rich text of pinch hitters because like we always, who's in the movie too much. Obviously Harrelson, Quaid, Vanessa Angel. And I would say Murray. He's, he's not a pinch hitter in this yeah. one. Yeah. It's tough. Um, we're talking so about it's favorite kind of supporting characters. Well, there, I mean, there's one very, very, this is the favorite supporting character, right? And that's what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. So there's one extremely obvious answer that is going to be the true answer. But true to Fairly Brothers form, there's just a lot of like weird external characters that just get <laughs> dropped in throughout. The guy that drank some piss is very concerned about it. Um, I, uh, I, re- I really do like uh, uh, the, the, the snake farm manager who gets <laughs> bit in the face and decides to like, fight fire with fire and just bite the snake back like <laughs> offering him a good job too yeah <laughs> so like there there's there's those things sprinkled in throughout um but no it's uh it's roger clemens yeah Skid like Mark. Clemens. yeah Skid, yeah uh i yeah i had written down lynn shay who's the the landlady and then willie garson who's the fake purse snatcher but it's it's 100 percent clemens yeah, yeah. like I mean, literally comes in throwing a hundred. Roger Clemens <laughs> probably did the next day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is right. I, I would guess this is right around the time where he starts participating in some extracurriculars in the weight room. Because <laughs> I mean, he's fuck. He's fucking enormous in this too. Like he's just generally he's a big dude. Like Roger Clemens was always a very husky guy, but uh, in this, I mean, he just him and his. Cause like his squad of goons is a, it's a big set of dudes and he's still standing out. It's not like when, you, and it, it's not like when it's Tom Cruise standing around guys and you gotta make, you gotta do some tricks to make him not stand out for being incredibly small. This is like, Nope, Clemens is right in the center of it and he's sucking and grabbing. <laughs> like he's a big, big dude. It, I, I think this is probably the very beginning of when he started the juice uh, just because like he's a big guy, but he's like, that guy is a professional athlete. Like he has the same body type as Kirk Gibson in this movie. <laughs> um, and then you look at like 2002 
Roger Clemens and he looks like a he ate a hot air balloon and yeah. and it's different. This is right in the tail run of him in Boston when it's like, oh, he might you know might be over, might just be aging as athletes do. And then he goes to Toronto and it's like, oh, wow, he's great again. And he goes to New York and it's like, wow, he's great again. And then he goes to Houston and it's like, wow, he's great. And then he's back in New York and like, wow, he's still great. And he's like 44 years old. There's nothing weird about this. <laughs> man, steroid era was fucking wild, man. Not a yeah. single person being like, hey, nothing. No, no, nothing weird about this. All these guys in their late thirties hitting their physical peaks, whatever. Let's have fun. Hit some home runs. Um, roster moves in this one. Um, the only one I could really come up with is, uh, he hadn't yet uttered his famous line, but like finding a way to work Pete Weber, AKA the, who do you think you are? I am guy into this movie would have been a nice touch. Yeah, that would have been a nice touch. And you know, just even as like a competing bowler at the end of the movie, right? Like only true bowling heads would recognize, you know, now that he's become a meme 25, 30 years later, we'll be like, oh, holy shit, Pete Weber was in Tame Pin. But yeah, totally agree. I, I'm swapping out the landlady. I Someone with an, a lick of comedic acting chops. And I'm thinking like someone like, who's like a versatile actress. I'm thinking like a Kathy Bates, right? Like a big presence who's like funny and also can be a very good dramatic actress. But never, never in a Fairly Brothers movie with Kathy Bates. I was about to say, Kathy Bates rolling off her Oscar for Misery and be like, I'm going to go do Kingpin. <laughs> what been First of all, of you're talking about Bobby Boucher's mama here. That's right. right? That's, That's true. a good point. She would do it. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, you have any roster moves, Pete? I mean, that's the thing. It's like nobody's, nobody can name a pro bowler outside of the one guy that is a meme. And even yeah. that's like a very niche subset of people that are going to know who or what that is. I mean, giving bowling fans like an Easter egg to find, that's fine. Um, you might as well have done it. It's not like they're busy. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you're not going to be interrupting their schedules or anything. Uh, you know, I like there's the Fairley Brothers, uh, uh, the, the the running Fairley Brothers through line of like that duo band, I like that they, they were in there. Um, like that. Yeah. It's like yeah. their version of the Dan band. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like there were some missed opportunities with, uh, either the Amish family or any of the, uh, uh, the, the characters that they encounter on the road trip. Like you could have done something there where it's yeah. just like a group of folks like, Hey, I need you for an afternoon. We're going to bowl and we're going to make a joke. And then we're going to get out of here. Um, you think like the green Bay Packers and, uh the singing movie that i'm blanking on right now um the acapella movie oh uh yeah the, that perfect. one uh, okay sure oh, yeah but like the green bay packers show up you could do that you like you could do something like that sure. but they got roger clemens and uh yeah whatever maybe that maybe they used all they used all their juice on that one pun intended yeah that would have been my thought of like some random cameos like you know, someone famous is the is the snake farm guy, yeah, or the uh, the strip club owner when Ish is stripping, uh, which which we did not discuss. The strip club hey. owner is like fucking like you get Jeff Daniels for that to be the yeah. strip club owner. You got, I mean, yeah. you got the bad guy from yeah. Kindergarten Cop to do it. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, man, I that's a guy. So I looked at his IMDb 
And his bio is like he got his master's from Cornell and then decided to go into acting. Like he's a guy from Alabama, went to Cornell, got his undergrad and his master's, and then went into acting. And it never clicked, but he's been consistently working in the exact roles you think he has for years. Like staff sergeant, whoever, bartender one, like that. And he's just another guy where it's like, I hope he at least lives in like a pretty decent house. Like I hope he's made at least a nice living for himself and he's not he's not grinding. Yeah, but I appreciate it's, it. It's a tough life if you don't hit it big. Uh, the Big Chill. I'm just gonna say this isn't one of those movies. I mm-hmm. have two, two big chills. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so Vanessa Angel goes to grab a beer from the fridge at the private bowling alley, and she has two big chills. <laughs> big fan, big fan. Oh man, yeah, I uh, feel good about that one. That's uh. <laughs> That's good. Uh, we'll just roll right in. <laughs> more store. Prequel, sequel, remake. Um, so how old is Bill Murray? 70-ish. Yeah. Something so I, I kind of, I use this caveat sometimes of like, you're obviously not doing a sequel to Kingpin. Like one, I, I don't, I don't know who gets up for that. Like this is one of the ones where if they did one of those like random skits, a cast reunion thing, I would be like if 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 I told you guys, hey, we've got ten more minutes of Bill Murray doing bigger and McCracken when he's in his seventies, you'd one hundred percent be in, right? I was gonna say, you know, what they should do is like make a sequel, but make it a reality show. Just give a get get a camera crew, get a convertible with Vanessa Angel and Woody Harrelson, and be like, you need to go into Interior Canada and find Randy Quaid and extricate him <laughs> from this cult. Like they thought they might not have electricity. Maybe they're churning butter. We don't know. You have to go figure it out. And the only way to get him out is to bowl for his freedom. You have to bowl in a tournament and it'll be televised. Yeah. yeah. I'd watch that sequel. I thought you were going to say, put him in an RV and like have them bowl across the country. Like they have to get their way to Reno. No, that'd be lame as shit. I want to see go. I want to see <laughs> Vanessa Angel go and kidnap Randy Quaid. <laughs> I want to see Vanessa Angel do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as soon as we end this episode, I, I'm I'm heading to the Instagram. I got to see what I, see I said. I made the mistake. My wife was sitting there next to me, like not paying attention to the movie, paying attention to the dog and her phone. And a couple times I said, you can pull that outfit off. And she would just get more and more mad at me. Just like, I was trying to like make it a compliment, but I just like, yeah. and that's what I do. Like I noticed she's getting annoyed. So I just keep doing the thing. To, you, know, you guys know you're married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, that's, that's what married life is. It's, it's like, a common husband thing. We're all good at it. Yeah. You, you see a moment of annoyance. You just have to exploit it and make it worse. That's yeah. how, that's well, how she's not going to leave me. Like, yeah. So speaking of Lee, I, I actually want to end on this question. Roy and Roy and Claudia. How how long? Um, they're leaving like Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. I don't think they made it out of the state. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, Roy has the benefit of we we have the we have the roadmap of like oh she every guy she's dated has been a fucking massive piece of shit. Like yeah. she's dated Stanley, who the first time we meet him beats her. Uh, she's dated Bigger and McCracken. So Roy's got the benefit of like looking good by comparison, but like Roy lives in the most shitbox apartment you've just Squalor. ever seen. Yeah. 
His uh, he's got the wispy hairs over top. He is generally a scumbag, uh, you know, reformed scumbag, but scumbag nonetheless. And like Vanessa Angel is rolling as, you know, she's I, listen not to besmirch Pennsylvania. She's probably one of the the three hottest women in Pennsylvania at that time. <laughs> I would guess. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's just just an estimation. Yeah, yeah, she's sticking around until the uh, Trojan money runs out. And judging by how Roy Munson lives his life, that's going to run out pretty quickly. So, yeah. I mean, Roy did the admirable thing of donating it all to the Amish community, which also, like, Pete, I feel like you would know about this, like, Amish finances. You just you just know things. <laughs> are, are we holding them to the same standards as far as keeping their land and banknotes and things like that? Like, are the Amish, like you know, I'm churning butter and I'm raising a barn with wooden tools, but like, fuck, I've got to go to chase and, and make this deposit. Yeah, probably not. Um, there might be some minor things there, but no, we're not. It's, we uh, don't, we don't think the Fairleys checked out Amish finances to make sure that this was authentic and staying true to how they conduct their business. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I think it's like, it's like churches or uh church of Scientology, you know, the, land is used for religious purposes that sort of thing uh yeah there's a bunch of weird stories about lots of things like that um but in the case of like mennonites amish people are like genuine about it i think like that's what the those laws are you know directed towards and supposed to benefit and you know if they're not going to have electricity and internet they probably shouldn't be uh relied upon or (laughs) required to take their horse and buggy into deposit a check of any kind the amish can't hit that direct deposit well that, yeah, that's no. as good a note as any to end this end this, episode. <laughs> this <is> weird, yeah <laughs> a, a weird and wonky one of me just guessing at shit yeah it's a good one <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna go do a uh, wikipedia deep dive on the amish folk uh jr where can the people follow you check out oh yeah oh yeah at jr will do it instagram twitter at oh yeah pod instagram twitter and tiktok and uh yeah check out oh yeah oh yeah and follow that's a nice touch on TikTok if you want to be mindlessly entertained. Pete, where can the people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at PJ Hart. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Hart underscore underscore attack. Um, <laughs> none of those are really easy to find. Well, that one's not really easy to find because I don't, I'm not an internet personality anymore, so I don't really care. Sadly. <laughs> Sadly for all well, of us. Great to have you both back and get the band back together. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review. You can support the show on Patreon. Find out scheduling updates on Patreon. I've got a classic movie coming up next week. You're not going to want to miss that. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That's presented by Baseball America tomorrow. A new interview dropping with former Reds all-star catcher Devin Mesoraco. Tune into that. Uh, he describes what catching Jacob deGrom is like. It is exhilarating. And we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.